Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Invitations. God is sending out invitations. We're calling this message series Invitations from Jesus. Ben did a great job in opening up our series a few weeks back. We got to hear from Mel Forsyth Lee um, of Vineyard USA two weeks ago, and then I shared on the Father's invitation to come home uh, last Sunday. And this morning, as we move along in our series with the time that we have remaining, I wanted to draw our attention to receiving the invitation. All of this message series is based in the foundation of Scripture, mainly on one Scripture verse in Revelation where Jesus says, uh, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. There's an invitation to presence. Ben covered this in the first week, that the invitation is Jesus himself. You know, Jesus is so amazing because he's not only the invitation, but he's the invitor. He's always the great initiator. Jesus always initiates with us. He's always sending out invitations. And Jesus' invitations are mid-flow, if you were. They happen in a stream of invitations that stretch back all the way to the Old Testament. God's always extended invitations to his people to participate in his life and in his work in the world. Even back to Genesis 1.28, where he invites men and women, Adam and Eve and us here today, to be fruitful and to multiply. We saw that invitation on clear display this morning. We're being fruitful and we're multiplying. As well, he invites men and women to rule over the earth. He specifically mentions to rule over the fishes of the sea. I like that one as a fisherman. (laughs) So there's these invitations that stretch back to the Old Testament. But the big invitation is simply to be with Jesus for no other reason than to be with him because he's amazing. To be with Jesus. And the first step in receiving Jesus' invitation, frankly, is just a humble admission that we need him. It's just confessing in some vulnerability, hey Jesus, we need you. I can't do this on my own. I need to be saved. I need you, Jesus. Receiving the invitation is, in fact, confessing our need for him. And that's difficult, if we're honest, for most of us in the room. It's difficult to receive an invitation from God. The reason why it's difficult could be a number of different reasons. It's difficult for us because we like to think of ourselves as self-made men and women, that we got to where we are because of our work ethic or our sheer determination, But the reality couldn't be further from that. The reality is that we stand on the shoulders of giants this morning. And you're only where you are with all of the good things that you experience because someone else took the time to love you and to care for you and to care for me. And it's all grace that we didn't do anything to earn 
where we are or what we're doing today, that it's all a result of God's grace through Jesus in our lives. And so today and next Sunday is kind of like a two-part mini-series with the time that we have left this morning. So this morning is receiving, and next week is responding. Receiving and responding. And there are two little micro um, decisions that need to happen because we can't respond unless we first received. We're unable to respond to an invitation unless we first received it. And so this morning I want to talk a little bit about receiving an invitation from Jesus. And by doing so, we're making it more personal and sort of dialing in from where we started the series with the general invitation to be with Jesus. Generally, Jesus is drawing all men and women to himself. This morning, there are invitations that he's handing out personally. Jesus is walking the rows and he's inviting you to something that he wants you to be, something that he wants you to do. Jesus is sending out invitations to each of us, but before we respond, we have to decide whether or not to, we, to receive those invitations. How many of you guys are invitation hangers? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Are you an invitation hanger? At the Brusco house, we're invitation hangers. You guys still don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, so a great example of this would be like two or three months ago. Oh yeah, Sarah and I are invitation hangers. Two or three months ago, all the kids are getting ready to graduate high school and through the mail, the invitations come and you open the envelope or you get the card and there's a picture of the graduate there on the front and what do Sarah and I do with that invitation? Every time we get it, take the magnet, you stick it on the fridge. Why do we do that? Are you guys invitation hangers? Sarah and I are invitation hangers. We do that because we're proud of the graduate's achievement. We want to show off, hey, we're invited to share in this achievement with the graduate. And we take the magnet and we put it right there high on the fridge for everybody who graces the Brusco kitchen to see that we are proud of that graduate or we are proud of that couple who is choosing to get married or, or what have you. We are invitation hangers. And that is the heart of today's talk. That's the heart of today's talk. We sense at Vineyard Cleveland throughout the course of the summer that Jesus is sending out invitations. Indeed, this morning he's sending them out to each of us. And I feel like, I sense that he's calling us, Vineyard Cleveland, and churches, people in churches everywhere, to be a people who prioritize his voice, his invitations above any others. That we'd hang his invitation top tier on the fridge of our lives. That we would not only receive, but also respond to the invitations that he's extending towards us. So these invitations that Jesus sends out, they could be sent in a variety of different ways, and they could be a variety of different things. They're as unique as the personalities sitting here this morning. What are we talking about? They most often come in the form of questions. You know, Jesus will come and he'll whisper in your ear, will you forgive that person that hurt you? That person that you don't want to forgive, I'm extending an invitation to forgive that person. Will you pour into the lives of your kids? 
Will you become the man or woman God has called you to be? Will you drop the busyness for a moment and just rest? Will you love those hard-to-love people in your life? Will you serve this or that group of people? Will you continue to leave the door open relationally to a grown son or daughter who doesn't want relationship? Will you start that new business I'm calling you to open? You know, these little invitations that aren't, if I'm honest, that aren't always the best to hear. Sometimes we receive invitations from Jesus, and it's less like receiving a wedding invitation and more like receiving an invitation from somebody you don't want to go to their party, (laughs) if I'm honest. I'll sign up for the joy invitation. I'll sign up for the love invitation. But when I get an invitation from Jesus through the mail that's like, will you forgive that person who hurt you? I'm like, I'm not going to that. We, we request your presence at reconciliation and forgiving the people that hurt you. No thanks in the trash, right? Sometimes it's difficult to receive invitations from Jesus. And a lot of this has to do with hearing the voice of God. He is speaking. He is sending out invitations to all of us. But if we can't discern his voice, we might be receiving invitations to some things, which may even be good things, that he has not invited us to. God is speaking. He loves to speak to his children. He loves sending out invitations for growth, for greater connection, for love, for acts of service. And so as we confess our need for him, The next step in receiving the invitation of Jesus, whatever that may be for you or for me, the next step is to discern his voice. In Romans 10, 17, Paul writes, So then faith comes, invitation, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. In John 10, 27, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Jesus said, we live, we breathe by the very word of God. To receive his invitation, we must be a people who are committed to hearing God's voice above any other competing voices, including our own. Receiving invitation starts with a humble admission that we need you, Jesus. It's followed by hearing his voice Because we only want to follow Jesus. We only want to speak what he speaks and do what he does, right? That's what Jesus said in John 5. He said he only does what he sees the Father doing. He only speaks what he hears the Father speaking. And we want to be like Jesus. So how do we do that? How do we hear the voice of God? And I'm sorry, you guys, 15 minutes ain't going to cut it this morning. This could be a whole year-long study. How do you hear the voice of God? Some people, theologians, have devoted their entire careers to hearing the voice of God. But we have to make do with the next 15 minutes. So we're going to make the most of it. How do we hear the voice of God? And... I don't want to run the risk of um, a, a pastor that I really love, Brian Zond, said, Lord, save us from Bane practical serv- sermons. 
oh, Lord, save us from those. But so in, in risk of running into some of that, I'm going to give you the top three. How, how do we hear the voice of God for us? And I want you to apply these to your journey because I don't know what you're going through. Some of you I do. But I don't know where you're journeying invitation with God. God might be inviting you to something completely different than he's inviting the person next to you. But I do know this, that he is sending out invitations to each one of us. And in order to respond, we need to hear the voice of God. And so how do we do that? I want to look at 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 through 11. And this is the calling of Samuel, the prophet who later will go on to um, anoint uh, the great King David over all of Israel. And this is the first time, you know, knowing the greatness that's before Samuel, this is the first time that Samuel hears the Lord's voice. And so we read this in 1 Samuel 3. I'm just going to read the first 11 verses. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. No one was hearing from God. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. Tuck that one away, it's important. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and he lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back down and go back to sleep. Go, go and lie down. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go back and lie down. And when he calls you, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went down, uh, Samuel went and lay down in his place. Then the Lord came and stood there calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. So we've got this calling of the boy Samuel. And he's asleep and the voice of the Lord comes to him. Discerning the voice of God, receiving the invitation of God, depends on how we position ourselves. If we position ourselves far away from God, we're going to have more trouble hearing from God. As we position ourselves close to God, we're able to pick up on the rhythms of his heart and so the first thing I wanted to express is that we need to position ourselves close to God. God says in Scripture, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. There's something about positioning our hearts and getting in that rhythm that attracts the voice of God into our lives. We read in verse 3 here in Samuel's narrative, that the lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Can you picture it? The ark of the covenant. This holy place. This special place where the presence of God dwells. And the boy Samuel lying next to it. 
He positioned himself close to God in order to hear the voice of the Lord, even though he hadn't yet heard from God, right? But there he lay. And when the Lord called, he was nearby. He was ready to receive. He was ready to respond. He'd never heard God speak before. He didn't know what to expect. But he did know that if he hung around the temple long enough, God would eventually show up. Isn't that a lesson for us? When we position ourselves close to God, he may not show up today. He may not show up tomorrow. But if I keep my heart close to the campfire of God, he's going to come through for me. I will see the activity. I will hear the voice of God in my life if I position myself close to God, even when I don't know his voice. Even when circumstances are hard. I'll do the things, Lord, that you've called me to do, even when it's hard, because I know that you will show up. You will speak to me. Samuel positioned himself where the ark of God was. He created space for God to speak. You know, in our lives, this looks like clearing our calendars of busyness, engaging in regular times of worship, listening prayer when we simply come to God with no other agenda than we love you, God. I'm not out to get your stuff, as we heard last week in the story of the prodigal son. I don't want your stuff. I just want you, God. Digging into Scripture, these are all creating a space for worship, clearing our calendars of busyness, engaging of times of worship. They're not just a means to an end of hearing God's voice. They are simply done from a heart that says, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. And I want to be with you for no other reason than I just want to be with you. I position myself close to you relationally. I want to be where you are. Period. Secondly, find a place of regular service to God, to minister unto the Lord. Not to serve the church, not to serve other people, serve your family, just to minister unto the Lord. I feel like this is something that God was inserting his voice into in Samuel's day and that he's speaking over the church today, especially the church in America and our church specifically. We show up just because we love you, Jesus. We're here to minister to you and you alone. It's got less to do with doing stuff and more to do with becoming the type of people who worship in spirit and truth. Jesus is seeking those people. He said, I'm seeking worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth. And the people who worship in spirit and truth are those who know the joy it is to just minister unto the Lord just to be with him. Again, point two is C point A. In verse one, it says, Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. If you want to hear the voice of God, you have to be doing or about or being the things of God. I want to encourage you to serve, to give yourselves in worship, to clear space on your calendar. Hearing the voice of God starts with finding a place of regular service to God. And then lastly, listening for God's voice. And I know it seems trite and very extremely practical and vain to say, hey, listen to God, you guys. But we need to be reminded because we're leaky. 
of the simple thing of just coming before God and, li- and opening our ears before we open our mouth. Opening our ears before we open our mouth. You see, Eli, in verse 2, was lying down in his usual place. He was too preoccupied. And later in the narrative, we read about Eli and what happens to him and his sons. But Eli was too preoccupied with his own interests to hear God. When God began speaking, Eli wasn't listening. And many times to hear God, what God is saying, we have to slow down. We move at, who's moving? We all move at a frantic pace, don't we? We love it. In America, we love it. It's like the faster, the better. The microwave is too slow. That chicken biscuit should have been in my mouth. 30 seconds? That should have been in my mouth like two minutes ago. Dang it. Right? But the way of Jesus is different. The way of Jesus is slow down, find rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is light. And, And what? If we respond to that invitation, if we receive that invitation, Jesus promises rest for our souls. But in order for that to happen, we have to slow down and listen. If we're unwilling to listen for the voice of God, we will never experience rest, true rest. Have you tried experiencing rest any other way? It does, it, I have. Well, I have. It doesn't work. The only way is to slow down and listen for the voice of Jesus. Then we can experience his promise of rest in our lives. And that's going to require us to put aside our own interest and lean into what God is saying. We can't respond until we first receive like little children. Jesus says you must become like little children. He's not asking us to lay aside our intellect or our intelligence, but there's something about receiving that's inherent to children. Parents, how many of you give your kids gifts at Christmas time just, not for the gift, just to watch the sheer expression of joy in receiving that gift on Christmas morning? And God is the same way. God's the same way with us. Jesus says we must become childlike or we'll never receive. The scripture says that he's hidden those things of his that are so special. He hides them from the wise and the learned because he knows that those folks won't appreciate it the way that childlike people do of receiving that gift on Christmas morning out of sh- <gasps> When children are real young, they'll go bananas over like socks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in hearing the voice of the Father inserted into that discussion, parents, have you ever played that game? All right, look at that gift. Isn't it amazing? It's a coloring book. It's awesome. They're like, yeah, coloring book. The Father is the same way with us. So as we close, I just wanted to paint a picture of us. And you're welcome to um, 
to close your eyes and just engage in this or just use your imagination. But I want to take you to um, just the, the mailbox. I want to take you to um, maybe a couple of months ago when you received that graduation invitation in the mail from a family that you really loved or you, you received an invitation from a couple who's uh, getting ready to get married. And I want you to think about us here this morning, I want, you to think, I want us to think about the, um, the act of receiving that invitation and what it felt like as you went to the mailbox or, or even you opened your email. It might mean a little bit less if it's an evite, just to let you know. The hard copy is the best, right? And you go to the mailbox and you open the mail, mailbox and you pull out the card, it's bigger than the bills. It sticks out. It's not a bill. You're thankful <laughs> that it's not that size of envelope, that it's a card size. And you're like, thank the Lord, it's not a bill. It's something good through the mail. And you pull out the card, and you know, you, you open the envelope with its stickiness, and you pull out the card, and there you see the person who's graduating. Your name is on that envelope. You know, that person took the time to write down your address and knows where you live. It's personalized to you or, or maybe your family or you and your spouse. They know your name. And you pull the card out of the envelope and you look at the card and just the joy of knowing that you're invited that you belong, that your presence is requested, that you're called on to engage and participate in this significant event that's going to happen in the life of someone from a completely different family. And just the joy of knowing that you are included on that celebration. In the same way, what an honor it is that Jesus wants you. That Jesus says you belong at this party. Whatever the invitation is, maybe it's to start a new business. Maybe it's to serve a group of people. Maybe it's to forgive someone who's hurt you. But this invitation has been sent to you, personalized, with your name on it. And I want you to reflect on and meditate on the gratitude that that invitation produces in you to know that you've been invited in. And what an honor it is, as we switch back to real life now, what an honor it is to respond to just say, yes, we'll be there, plus one, or however you RSVP. Répondez. S'il vous plaît, that you will be there, that your answer is yes. And living from that produces gratitude. And though those invitations might not be easy to receive from Jesus, sometimes they're tough. Here it is. Here it is from John Stott. Here's the goods from the old English preacher John Stott. This is the goods. Look at this. 
This is one of the greatest paradoxes of the Christian life. Receiving the invitation. Under his yoke, we find rest. Through service, we find freedom. When we lose ourselves in loving, we find ourselves. When we die to our self-centeredness, we begin to live.